Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinvin, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. What's shaking, fellas? What's going on, boys? Another movie in the books, another uh, week ready to go here, another week in lockdown. Uh, excited to get into this one. Uh, all is well here. Um, yeah, great movie. Really excited to do this one. This is one of my all-timers, so been off for a couple of weeks so it's nice to come back with a big one here yeah absolutely before we dive into it though sad day uh, in the baseball world as uh, we lost a legend uh hank aaron passed away so obviously tough times for a lot of baseball fans out there i was watching some of the stuff on espn today and uh had some nice tributes uh bob costas talked and obviously he, he had some close moments with him over the years and vince scully had a couple things to say and he was actually the guy that called that last home run that that classic home run where or not the last one but the one that uh he broke babe ruth's record so uh it's nice that we still have vin around to to kind of give some that that guy's been around calling dodgers games since the 50s right so he's amazing. iconic you know it was something crazy fellas about hank aaron first of all how good of an athlete he was how durable he was and he had over three thousand hits i believe yeah like, he has the he has the RBI record. He's up power. over he's up over twenty two hundred RBIs, which is insane. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, that'll never be broken. No. Yeah. All right, tonight's as we mentioned, we're we're jumping into uh, a summer classic uh, with summer nights and bar fights with an all time baseball <laughs> classic taking it back to nineteen eighty nine with David S. Ward's trailbla- trailblazing masterpiece, Major League. Harry Doyle here welcoming all of you to another season of Indians baseball. Here's a list of the players we'll be inviting to camp. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. We'd love for you to come to spring training for a shot at this year's club. By the way, you were with me last night. Who's this chick on top of me? We'd still like to take a look at you at our spring camp. Not sure I can make it by then. Who is that? Serrano. What's his religion? Voodoo. Say hey! Fully Maze Hayes here. Play like Maze, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? What the hell league you been playing in? California Penal. Don't you have any proven major league talent? Now I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. This year, the Cleveland Indians have a multi-talented team. The first offering, just a bit outside. They're masters of the sacrifice. He's looking to sacrifice a live chicken. One whole chicken, just like you said. The double play. Excuse me. I have a much better body than she does. Thank you for me, she really does. And the pickoff. Every time we win, we peel a section. Tom Berenger. Zipper on your skirt stuck. Use your imagination. Charlie Sheen. These things make me look ridiculous. Seeing's the most important thing, son. I don't think it's that important. Corbin Burnson. And Bob Euchre. Hey, with swings and crushes one towards South America. Major League. That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one. 
Yellowstone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as always, before we start our discussion, we need to take our medicine. Without further delay, let's dive into our brew review. What are we drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, in homage to uh, old Milwaukee, thought this week we'd take it back uh, to uh, old Milwaukee's finest and dive into a pint of Miller Genuine Draft. Uh, Miller Genuine Draft has been iconic brand in the Miller family for over 30 years, first brewed in 1985. At 4.7%, this American-style light lager captures the refreshing flavor and taste of genuine draft beer in a bottle or can, and MGD just reminds people on how great beer is. If you like beer or if you're a beer drinker, MGD is for you. It's the best of draft beer, even when you can't be at a bar to enjoy it. So give them a follow on all their social media accounts, and don't forget to uh, enjoy responsibly. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Snap the top off mine right now. Hang on. This may be the first bottle experience on the pod, boys. Yeah, I just popped the top off mine. It's exactly yeah. it. I think it might mm-hmm. be two sips. You know the deal. One more. Mm, that is right out of the bottle. And you know what, boys? I actually, I drink a lot of beer at a can. Sometimes I miss a cold bottle sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I and I feel MGD needs to be out of a bottle. It's definitely a bottle beer. You got to have it's that one, one of out of those, a bottle. Yeah, you're just hanging on to it. The feel of it. It is one of those things how beer, great beer used to be. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to go with this rating. This is always a pretty good universal all-around beer. Um, do good for a lot of things. Fine taste. Uh, not too high in alcohol, so you can kind of good afternoon one again, like we've talked about before. Grab it into a cooler and grab it in an icy, icy bottle. I'm going to go uh, with this one. Uh, uh, I'm going to give it an 8.1. Nice score. Wow. Nice I like score. That's a high score. That's like a high it. score. I like yeah. it. Uh, that, that's a very high score. All right, James, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also a fan of this beer. It's a nice, clean, clear drinking beer. Uh, it brings me back to my days when, uh, when I worked at the Harbor Restaurant. Uh, they they actually considered it <laughs> when I was bartending. They actually considered it a premium beer there. So uh, at the end of every shift, though, after cleaning up, Aliyah, our owner, would uh, he'd let me pick out a beer. He'd say, "Pick out, a, get us a couple of beers, and we and we'll drink them." I always picked MGD out of the fridge, mm. and uh, it it just brings me back to then because you'd be sweaty. It's a you're end of a tired uh, at the end of a shift, and and it would just go down like water. So I'm gonna give it a pretty high score too. Uh, I'm going to go 7.8. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, I will say that I had this comment. <laughs> and here it comes. <laughs> You're sandbagging me. You're both sandbagging me. You're setting me up. Uh, here it comes. So I, did, I will say this. It is definitely one of those beers that is way better in a bottle. And this is my, my reasoning. Bo- uh, beers that come in a clear bottle or in a green bottle tend to be way better in a bottle than anything else. Just my general rule of thumb. I'll give you that. Um, so, you know, I agree with you. It tastes way better than the bottle. It's a fine beer. It's it, There's nothing that jumps off the page for me. It This is a uh, high school, first year university beer. This was a, I'm going to a party and I want to look uh, somewhat respectable and not like a total D-gen. 
and show that I have a little bit of class and money. And I'm still going to bring beer. So I'm going to bring this instead of a case of like lucky lager or something. Um, but it's still like, uh, I don't know. It's one of those ones that's not going to sit right with me tomorrow morning, probably. So I can't go super, super high on it. It's refreshing. You're right. On a hot day, a couple ice cold, one of these. Yeah, it's okay. But I mean, what isn't good on ice cold beer in the hot day? Like, come on. We got to set our standards a little bit higher than that. Boys. Uh, <laughs> guess what, Sam Adams? You're going to get, you're going to love this because this isn't even coming close to your score, Sam Adams. This is well below your score. So I'm going to go, uh, at best for MGD, I can't go any higher than a 6.5. Six, 6.5 five. Six, five for MGD. It's slightly better than Rolling Rock, but not by a whole lot. 6.5 MGD. Four times filtered or not, it's just not that. It doesn't sit well enough with me. <laughs> Boom. All right. Well, there trying you have it. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to shake off this beer slut reputation that I seem to have. <laughs> you took that to heart. Ooh, yeah, you did. As we mentioned... Today we're doing Major League, which was written and directed by David S. Ward, distributed in 1989 by Paramount Pictures. It got a 7.2 rating on Internet Movie Database and a whopping 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of only $11 million, but grossed $49.8 million at the box office. Music by James Newton Howard, starring Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, Rene Russo, Corbin Burnson, and Wesley Snipes. Quick movie synopsis. The new owner of the Cleveland Indians, former showgirl Rachel Phelps, has a sweetheart deal to move the team to Miami. But to break the lease with the city of Cleveland, ticket sales have to plummet. So Phelps hires the most incompetent players available, including near-blind pitcher Rick Vaughn and injury-prone catcher Jake Taylor. But her villainous tactics accidentally foster a can-do team spirit, turning the Indians into potential winners. Let's jump into our character review, and let's start out with our boy Jake Taylor, Played by Tom Berenger. Well, what can you not say about a Jake Taylor? Uh, first of all, he is a, he, he is the catch starting catcher of our all time team, is he not, fellas? Yeah, if you um, want to check that out, folks, it's uh we have a little video about that about our team. We featured it on episode sixteen. If you want to check that episode out, we also have a video. Uh, uh, the kind of uh, fun video that shows all of our players and breaks down our team on uh, YouTube, on our YouTube channel. And you can find that by searching Big League Flicks. But sorry, JR, go ahead. No problem. Yeah, please go check that out because it's amazing work. Um, Jake Taylor, one of the, the, the ultimate leader, captain. Not actually a great catcher, guys. Uh, but what he does is he brings those little intangibles that he really helps to guide the staff along. And there's somebody that you can rally behind. The kind of thing that the leadership and captain. He's a captain. If Cleveland wore a yeah. C, this guy's got a C on his jersey. The ultimate captain move is when he had to go get a live chicken and he got the bucket of KFC. <laughs> he handles business. Everything's worried. No worries. He's good for the team. He's good for morale. He is awesome with Rick. That chemistry he has with Rick Vaughn. I mean, that's obviously from the movies before, but there's awesome chemistry there. And it's kind of believable. The way he talks, the dialogue, he can bring you along. He's one of those guys, he will drag you an extra inning no matter what you're doing. He's got you. Okay, yeah. Those are all the kind of things that I want you to think about when you think of a Jake Taylor. Does he have a cannon? No. His bat? Eh. Was he overmatched against the Duke in that last that bat? Yes. So he knew he had to bunt to do something. He's doing the little things today that new players today will not do. And he knows that's what it's going to take. This guy was a fantastic player. That's why we have him as our starting catcher. Yeah. Right? You know, when he threw down the second, when Lou asked about his knees, how's the knees, Jake? 
Jake's pop was terrible. Okay, but <laughs> doesn't matter because he's bringing those little things. He's one of those guys that people want to throw to. He's an okay? intangibles guy. He is an ultimate intangibles guy. He knows the game. He's a pro. Takes the guys out to dinner. He's trying to show them the things that need to be done. He's not an analytics dream. That is not an analytic guy whatsoever. There's no war to Jake Taylor. Billy Bean's not signing Jake Taylor. No, you're not. But what you're going to get is a Billy Bean not even Google Jake Taylor. <laughs> anyway, Webb, I've gone on long enough about that guy, but I can't say enough good things about that character. Him batting two, okay, maybe. I don't know about having a two, but he's just doing what he has to do, and he's yeah. awesome. So I agree with all the things you said about him as a ball player and all those things. He's also a degenerate of a human being, <laughs> all right? And here's what, here's why, okay? The whole the whole going after Lynn thing, she's clearly engaged, clearly has moved on in her life. He's doing this thing where he's, like, just totally trying to be the sleazeball. He's got the phone move. Uh, when you we first move. get entered, oh, first get inter- it was a pretty smooth move. I'll give him that. Pretty, pretty move. move. But uh, – when we get introduced to him and he's got the the great one-liner about Tolbert playing the prank on him, like, it's great. He's got some, but he's a degenerate human. And the other thing that drives me insane about him in this movie, he never finishes a goddamn drink. Go back and watch every single scene he's in. He never finishes a goddamn drink. I was going to say, when he was at the apartment, I would have just wasteful. chugged beer. I would have chucked wasteful. that beer at the apartment. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. That's wasteful. He's oh, a great ball funny. player, though, but he's a terrible human being. I get no <laughs> respect for him as a human being, but I want him on my team. That's I gotta make I gotta make a note. He's got a little bit better. Um, another reason why I think we got we had to pick him on our team. Uh, he had a little bit better style than uh, Crash Davis. He didn't have those linen pants on. At least he was, he, was, he, was pulling, he was pulling off the white blazer and the jeans pretty well. With uh, and he's got the the curly. He's he's got you know the perm Hollywood mullet going. That's pretty sick. You know what he also is too. He's big leg guys. The yeah. way he dresses, the the idea of taking them out to dinner, all that kind of stuff—that's big league. Yeah, yeah that's major league kind of stuff he's doing. Yeah, it is the way he talks to um, oh, where it's uh, Rexy there. Yeah, you know that's that's big league kind of stuff. And yeah. uh, the dialogue he has is amazing. All the dialogues, the conversations, the internal conversations with himself. We'll talk about that later. That's brilliant stuff. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty good. He was an all star at one point. That's right, In Boston. I wish we had him a couple of years ago. We did have him <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> uh, let's ju- let's actually jump into Lynn Wells, played by Renee Russo. What do you got on her, Jr.? Lynn Wells uh, again in that in this type of movie in this type of era, obviously a super important character too because she is you know for someone like Jake, she's given Jake purpose as well to try to like you said Webb. I know he's, I know he, he has some degen like qualities, but he's trying to make himself a better man by what he's trying to read Moby Dick. What can I say? He's doing the what he wants to do. Comic 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 doesn't matter. He's read Moby Dick. You think about what Lots you're dealing with here. <laughs> think about what you're dealing with here on that plane. Could you read Moby Dick? <laughs> uh, I thought she was great. She had brought just brought some. I don't know if it was validity or something to the show where like you needed her on there. A little bit of seriousness to bring into that idea with Jake. I thought she was fun, wonderful. Obviously, she was. She's a beautiful person. She does these types of roles so well, and uh, she was. She was obviously really smart. She was an alternate on the eighty Olympic team. Eighty Olympic, two hundred meter medley. 
you know, just an all-around human being. So a lot of great good things web that she brought. Uh, I mean, again, I don't know. There, she of all the characters, I think she probably has the most depth. I did a little bit of research. This is Renee Russo's first film movie. Yep. So, really? yeah, I actually kind of feel bad for her because she gets kind of typecast in this type of role the rest of her career. Any big yeah. movie, like think about it, she plays this like really smart, like book smart or academic smart, but totally dumb when it comes to real life and people and the and the men especially that she chooses and goes after. Right, like. They're all, to some extent, some kind of degen that she goes after, whether it's uh, Roy or whether it's uh, Thomas Crown. Yeah, yeah, like they're all kind of crooks or degens. Like there's something wrong with there's something wrong with Renee Russo's. Uh, they, she's got typecast a little bit because of this. Got a bad agent. Yeah. A terrible agent. Terrible agent. But yeah, I mean, she's she's a she's a bright character in this. I guess I don't know. I again, there's not a whole lot of story there to me. It's it's lacking. I actually. I don't know. I thought it was okay for what it was, but yeah. she doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah. No, I think you guys nailed it. Let's move on to Ricky Vaughn, played by Charlie Sheen. This is the guy that every kid who is a pitcher in the era that I played baseball, we wanted to walk into the mound to the songs that he walked into Wild Thing. We all wanted to have a little bit of Wild Thing, and we kind of wanted to be like this guy. He had so much. He was so cool back then. He was actually good at baseball. He threw gas. He was he had swagger. This guy was awesome. And he's probably one of those all-time like baseball characters, Charlie Sheen of all time. You know, the Rick Vaughn character. Yeah. I think that character goes down forever as one of the most famous baseball characters ever. Right. Um, the idea with the glasses, the geek and the glasses. So I got told advice when I was a young kid. Always fear a couple of things in baseball. A geek in glasses always throws really hard. That's true. I never thought much about it. Brandon at the Donnelly. Time. Brandon Donnelly, K-Rod, you name it. It keeps going on. Didn't Hanky wear glasses for a while? Yeah. Tom Hanky, yeah. Kyle, Kyle Farnsworth. Kyle Farnsworth. You name it. The geek in the glasses throws gas. Yeah. And when I was told that, I was told that about 11 years old or 12. I was like, okay, whatever. And it literally stuck forever. If you wear glasses, those guys throw gas. They have a lot of, they have a lot of pent-up rage. I think it is. Last year we threw up the Astros. Joe Kelly, doesn't he wear glasses? Yeah, Joe Kelly wears glasses. <laughs> so it held up forever. And you, uh, I kind of learned that from Major League. And then I was told that about 10 years. Like, I just remember being told that. The geek in the glasses throws hard. And what an awesome character. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned And I don't know. I don't want to cut your grass here, Jim. I just something I came across when you're talking about iconic characters. So I guess in, it was in 2016, the Indians went to the World Series. And somebody had approached Charlie Sheen about coming out and throwing out the first pitch as wild thing. And he said he would be more than happy to do it. He'd even shave his head or do the haircut and the whole bit. Better and uh, I guess, yeah, I guess they had somebody else like already prearranged, but he was all, all for it. So clearly that cultural rev, uh, relevance is still there. Yeah. Um, one word that I had to start describe him because he does have some pretty good one-liners. Uh, tactful. Because he's got a great, I don't know, I can't remember the scene now, but the line is like basically like, you want me to drag him out of here and kick the shit out of him? Like it was yeah, just oh, like, restaurant. It was, yeah, dinner. The restaurant. There you go. Oh, that's what right you after, is it dinner? That's right after he goes, I look like a banker in this. Yeah. <laughs> and he's wearing a tie with like a <laughs> leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's he's got some, uh, he's got some great, he's a, he's a solid teammate because he feels bad about, you know, banging Mrs. Dorn. 
um, and kind of doesn't want to do it. But I mean, at the same time, I was also like, <clears throat> come on, realistically, you're afraid of Dorn. Come on. You're afraid yeah, of maybe no. blowing up the team, but you're not afraid of Dorn. No, you're not afraid of Dorn. You're going to take him out. <laughs> no, That's all sure. I don't know. Go, James. No, you guys nailed it. And I've, I've got a few extra things about Charlie Sheen and Ricky Vaughn when we get into some little-known facts. But, yeah, you guys nailed everything there. Let's move on to Roger Dorn, played by Corbin Burnson. Um, he's the comedic relief to all this. He's, oh, my gosh. I don't know what to say. Everyone knows somebody they probably played a sport with who's a little bit like a Roger Dorn. Yeah. And, you know, the lines, the playing, the way he, you know, I'm not doing any unnecessary calisthenics or anything like that. We all know guys like that. And we've all That's played guys like that. That's guy, yeah. We've had guys, you know, you get a, your pitch and you, you literally, guy makes an error. I'm like, you tank that. Or you did the old Ole, or he's the king of the flamingo, Jamer blocking a shot in hockey. That's a flamingo guy right there. Yeah. All those types of things. He just is one of those guys on the team that you're like, it's so, it's so hard to be on a team with you. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of of a guy like Roger Dorn. Is he important to the movie? Or, yeah, he's great. He's hilarious. Corbin Burnson, great job. I love him as an actor, and I love the character. He can hit a little bit. Dorn can, yeah. Dorn, Dorn, Dorn can work the bat a little bit. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's, he, he keyed off an important rally, but overall as a third baseman, ooh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. I'm sure he's the only player who's actually under contract on this team. That's yeah. not making the league minimum. Yeah. Uh, I had Roger Dorn, to borrow an expression, a little light in the loafers, so to speak. Uh, yeah. He's the type of guy on your team that you would all kind of haze because you know he's just a total douchebag, for lack of a better term, and you want to get after him. Um, yeah, there's nothing redeeming about this guy whatsoever. You 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 actively root against him, and you kind of want him to do poorly, and you're kind of stuck with him as a teammate, and it's, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, Probably one of the best scenes is when Taylor goes in and like gives him shit in the solarium about him tanking the the uh, the play for, uh, mm-hmm. for Ricky. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's not a whole lot I got to add to him. No, he was. Uh, do you guys remember the show uh, L.A. Law? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you remember? Remember he played kind of like the sleazy uh, womanizing lawyer on that one. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like he just basically brought that character and just put him in this movie. I think he was, to, to me, I, like, I remember back when I was young and I first watched it, I remember watching L.A. Law and then seeing this movie and being like, he just played the same guy, he had the same haircut, same attitude, same mannerisms, everything. So uh, he, he plays it well. He's a good-looking guy. You know, he's got that. He good looks, hair. He looks, like he, he, he looks like he's right out of, like, Stanford or something, 100%. right? Like, he's just one of those, like, silver spoon. So... Really good casting. Good Corbin Burnson's a good actor. He did a great job in it. But yeah, he he plays that prick real well. Like I was, uh, he was a perfect cast for oh, that yeah. role. Oh, Let's yeah. move on to uh, Willie Mays Hayes, played by Wesley Snipes. Uh who I want to play in center field. He's got the tools. Uh fast, strong, good range. He uh, he's got a good glove Ooh, for shit. Except he may he runs run like Hayes. Hayes. You hit like that. I, I think he again Leslie Snipes. He's in that air, that same time frame of window of where he does great sports movies, and he's yeah. so believable because he looks and is such a good athlete. Where you're like, this guy's great at these types of roles. Um, I thought he was pretty funny. All the little things, the gloves, just 
excuse me, the gloves to steal the bases, uh, just those mannerisms. I got cut already. Oh, I'm like, I love that. That's one of my favorite lines. The snake, when he has a little garter snake, a little cross. I'm like, <laughs> and he kisses it. He's like, that stuff's so like believable though. Where you're like, that's just like amazing locker room type stuff where you just kind of, he's wondering what's going on. Um, he was great. Willie Mays is fantastic. He's another iconic character. When you did the basket catch in practice or in batting practice, you'd be like, yeah, Willie Mays Hayes. Not Willie, like, you'd just be like, and then you'd run in and somebody, nice catch, Hayes. You know, don't ever, you know what, do it again. And you're like, that's funny. So overall, great character. He was awesome. Yeah. I had, uh, <laughs> this is clearly an example of Willie, or Wesley Snipes hadn't started to utilize resistance training to his full extent yet. He's definitely not getting on the set of, set of Blade with the, the the body that he's rocking in this movie. Uh, and he's a bit of a people pleaser, Willie Mays Hayes, to some extent, right? Uh, yeah. The push-ups. There's a couple times there when he drops down in the batter's box. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, I got I to gotta check this again because it, it just struck me now. When he shows up to spring training that first time, does he have a Volkswagen Beetle that's been converted into a Rolls Royce? Yes. Yeah, I, I actually like researched it. I, okay. I actually researched it. There was back in the eighties like, you I could buy these. JR caught this one. Yeah, right. back in the eighties you could buy these kits. And uh basically it was a it was a VW Beetle. Like the whole the engine, the like basically the chassis, everything was was a was a beetle. And then you you could buy these parts to basically soup it up and they were Rolls Royce like <laughs> replica parts basically and it's it's kind of it's it's supposed to be kind of a joke because it's somebody that can't afford that type of car but they're you know it, yeah. so apparently yeah. you could buy these kits to refurbish basically these beetles and that's what that was last thing i'll say on here's the last thing i'll say on this i actually think uh given what we've seen wesley snipes do in sports movies that they underutilized him in this character quite a bit in this movie. Like I, there wasn't enough of him for me. Like I feel like yep. there should have been more Willie Mays Hayes. And I actually yeah. like, I like the way he's utilized, even though it's Omar Epps in the second one, a lot more. Um, I was gonna, I, I, I just, I, I, I was yeah. just gonna ask you guys that question. Do you guys like Omar Epps as well, uh, Willie Mays Hayes, or do you like Wesley Snipes as Willie Mays Hayes? Go ahead, Webb. Well, uh, you guys know where I stand on this one. We'll get into it later. This, oh, is yeah, one of those, okay. this is one of those few movies where I actually think the sequel is better than the original. But um, So you yeah. like Omar Epps? I, I, I think Omar Epps, I think Omar Epps is, uh, he can play the, like, goofy a little bit better than maybe, than maybe than Wesley Snipes can. I think Wesley Snipes, to me, is just too serious. Uh, and I know Omar Epps has been super serious in movies as well, but... I think Wesley Snipes is just, he's funny, don't get me wrong, but like, he's not, uh, he's not Sidney Dean in this one. Like he, he, he's just. I, I had the opposite. I thought, I thought Omar Epps was more serious in the second one. Right. Cause I feel like he didn't lie. He was also too... trying to be more serious in the second one, right? Though yeah. that character is. With his brand kind of thing. More, yeah. They all are, are, right. They're all trying to be big time. Yeah. He's more career driven in the second one. I'll take uh, Wesley Snipes as my Willie Mays Hayes. I'm big. I'm an original major league guy. Nothing against Omar Epps; he's great. Willie Mays Hayes to me is Wesley Snipes. Yeah, that's to me. That's it. I think they both did a terrific job playing the character, but I'd probably lean towards Wesley Snipes just because I thought he was a little more vulnerable, almost, or something. Mm Because he wasn't a star; he was still trying to like break out of something to make it. 
I just, I mean, like the character was not, not necessarily Wesley Snipes, but even Wesley Snipes was in his career at that point. But mm-hmm. um, I just thought like there was some, there's a little bit more comedy spruced into. Do you know why he isn't in the second one? Like, well, was it like overlap with another movie or something? I do have a, I do have a, a, a note on that later, but okay. it's a good question. It's a good question. I'll get to it later. But, I figured you would. Yeah. There's a, there's something about uh, the. One thing we'll get into later is that this this cast had a pretty damn good time making this movie together. <laughs> there's some <laughs> units in there's this. There's some cast. beauties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, let's move on to uh, speaking of beauties. Let's move on to Lou Brown, played by James Gammon. He's a walking soundbite the whole movie. Yeah. Um, he's one of those guys. I got to be honest, as a baseball player, I'm not sure if he knows anything about baseball, but he's one of those guys that you really like and you're going to play good baseball for him, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean by yeah. that, guys? Like, there's something wholesome about Lou Brown where you're like, you know what? I like this guy. I'm going to do yeah. my job and be like a good baseball player and just play for him. And there's something about him that's comforting and I like him a lot. The way he stands up to Doran, that kind of stuff, that's old school. And like, I mean, obviously it's over the top and comedic, but just a lot of things about him that he just kind of seems like a grandpa out there when he puts Charlie on like, Hey on Charlie, I got to go. I know why you all online too, or whatever. Like that's iconic. Those lines. I, I pictured, I pictured Jim Leland being a lot like him. I yeah. Gibby. He reminds me of Gibby, yeah, right? Like Gibby. Yeah. yeah. He just, he's your everyday man. Like the common man can get, get on board with this guy and they'll go to bat for him. He wants to like yeah. choke out Dorn the same way he wanted to choke out Shea Hillenbrand. Like he's just that kind of guy. Like, Good point. He, he just, Very he good just point. strikes me strikes me as your everyday guy. Yeah. Very like, good he's your, he could, I think that's why he's so relatable is because he's your next door neighbor, right? Or he's the guy that's down at the supermarket or whatever. He's just your common I mean, guy. Webby, you make a good point. There's no ego to him. He's yeah. too old to dive in the showers or dive in yeah. lockers. You know when he just stands there when uh, Mrs. Phelps comes in there? He just stands. He's like, I'm too old to go run into a locker. You're like, I love this guy. I like his demeanor, his demeanor too. He's he's just very even keel and like mm-hmm. you know when uh, Ricky Vaughn comes in and snaps on him because he thought he got cut and he's like, I like that in a player. The only problem is I didn't cut you. Someone's been having some fun with you. Like that's just that nothing really elevates his heart rate. And you know what? That's old school. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. I like it. On that note, though, I guarantee he would have a better snap show than who was the guy? Was it? Bull Durham, we were ripping on, or I was ripping on the manager for having yeah. the worst snap show ever. This yeah. Luke, Brown would have a way better, way better, better snap show. Way better snap show. Yeah, and That's I like, awesome. I like the way Brown handled the situation. He had a, this has got to be the hardest managerial job in any movie because he's got, they're they're built to lose, and he mm-hmm. figures out a way to get them to win. So, oh, yeah. I think he, does, he does a really good job managing those personalities. <laughs> It's his kind of team, Charlie. It's my kind of team, Charlie. It's my kind of team. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about uh, Pedro Serrano now, played by Dennis Haysbert, Mr. Uh, State Farm. (laughs) This guy is. Sorry, all state. All All state. state. (laughs) This guy's guy's pure number four hitter. Love him. Love everything he brings. I like how he's big. He's strong. I love the character. I love Joe Boo. How about him curling uh, 35 in the room on the straight bar? Just straight up. No big deal. Ain't a jock. Just walking around curling thing. Not a big deal. You're like, this guy is, he's like another iconic character. It's the same thing. The whole Joe Boo thing. 
Uh, oh, fellas, how many times have you said "f you, Joe Boo"? I do it myself. I I, I literally have said that in a batter's box many times. I don't know. Or up your butt, Joe Boo. Bad to seal Joe Boo's rum. I think the Joe Boo piece comes with Serrano. The whole shtick of Serrano, I think that's pretty fun. And I think yeah. he's a really cool, quirky character that is amazing for like a locker room and a team. Yeah, he's great. Pretty sure every time I've gone to Cuba, I, anytime they put a rum and taking a rum away from me, I'm like, bad to steal Joe Boo's rum. And I always get a laugh from the bartender, so that's a good thing. Hilarious. Uh, the, Pedro Serrano is probably one of my favorite characters in both of the movies. Well, I haven't seen the third one. I'm, I'm waiting until we have to do that. I, he, uh, I have seen it. He's not in it. There, no. The only person that's in the third one that even carries over from the from any of the other movies is uh, Rube Baker. Oh, I yeah, thought when I, I was watching the trailer today, it looked like he was in it. it looked like Serrano was in it. I don't okay, think so. Well, that's good I news. I, don't think uh, I haven't watched it in a long time, though. What was I going to add about? Uh, yeah, he's he's he does a great job. It's funny. I I, I think uh, when you compare this role, what's his name, Dennis Haber? Yeah, when you, you compare this role to uh, him and Mr. Baseball. Yeah, right. He's like mm -hmm. he's like a first baseman or something in Mr. Baseball too, right? Or he plays. No, he's the guy on the other the the American guy in the other team. Mm -hmm. Just like you just see the difference in terms of like. Uh, character-wise and how well he's able to adapt um and this guy i mean he's gone on to have a pretty good career right a he, was, he was the pres president and he's a big tv guy like i did a little deep dive yeah. after i looked him up big tv guy but like president uh he was president palmer on 24 i remember that yeah mm -hmm. but yeah and then he's got like you said all those all-state commercials i don't know i don't have serrano's great i got nothing yeah. to add he's funny as hell oh, Web was the huge 24 guy oh yeah i, I love that show too yeah Let's huge, jump into. Are there any other notable characters that jump out at you? Anybody? Yeah, want to... I got to throw one out there, and I've mentioned this before in our pod. Old Ed Harris, the, the doctor up the ball guy. I grew yeah. up with Jeff McDonald. He literally wanted to be old his whole life. We always called him Ed Harris. Ed Harris is a wicked character too. Just that's Vagisil, Crisco. Sometimes I put a little jalapeno <laughs> up under my nose. And, you put and snot rich. on the ball. <laughs> I ain't got an arm like yours, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like just some of his lines Jesus Christ yeah. can't hit a curveball like things like that <laughs> I mean, he brings that wily wily old veteran near the end of his time yeah, up your bunch of Jesus I like him very much he no help with curveball yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, my guy for sure I definitely, right, I definitely uh, one main guy I forgot to mention was uh Harry Doyle, played by Bob Uecker he was yeah, I was gonna say he's my guy and like in terms of the sound bites he's probably the best yeah. Right. Just the the little like Jack Daniels behind the ears, like <laughs> and everything, like just hilarious. Like, listen to this diehard crowd out here for the Indians, it's like crickets, like just, <laughs> like deadpan coffee that just a bit outside. Like, oh my god, no worries. Anything to add, Monty? No, that's why he's the best color guy in the biz. Like, just <laughs> he's got the best one liners in the league. Or he's like ball twelve. I can't believe they're laying off these pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, oh, yeah. What about uh, Rachel Phelps, the owner? Oh, I – she did a – as a character, she did a good job. Of just, I couldn't stand her as like, when I first watched this movie as a kid. Yeah. She's everything that's wrong with sport. She's easy to hate. 
she's so easy to hate and she did whoever played her did a great job of that where you're just yeah. like i don't like you and poor old charlie's just her whipping boy yeah. he's the ultimate has to be the ultimate yes man but yeah rachel phelps she drove me nuts she was, did an excellent job of being easy to hate they used to they used to have a lot of these types of women these like women portrayed in the 80s and these like these rich stuffy women and i think she yeah she just fits that role with a lot of a lot of the way like i think in the movie fletch there's a couple of them and uh um one with michael j fox the secret of my success it was like his aunt or whatever in it great but movie. yeah um i want to mention uh clue haywood as well he was a great character played a really good kind of like not villain but or, you know i guess villain, he, was I guess. Villain. he was the villain you know the villain is he an honorable mention on our team too he was he we, we it, it really came down to him him and Jack Elliott and, and Luke Collins were our three finalists I think to play first and uh, mm. we want it ended up being Jack Elliott because we wanted to have a left-handed bat and we didn't have any many lefties in the lineup but yeah he's he was the triple crown winner in the movie as they mentioned he was hitting like 340 150 RBIs and like 47 home runs or something so he's a stud. one of the best shit talking lines in this movie too as your wife your wife my kids. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, love, like, I love you know, uh, one of these. You won't be not anymore. I, I thought you were down the Mexican league. Mexican leagues. What are you doing up here? Uh, <laughs> or what do you say, Taylor? What are you doing back up here? <laughs> I cut at the Mexican league. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor had some really good like comebacks and those things too. He's Taylor's the ultimate pro. He knows yeah. exactly what he's doing. He's yes. a pro. That's why he's uh, our starting catcher. Nothing phases him. I'll give him. I'll give you that. Nothing phases him. He's a captain. It's amazing. I wanted to shout out uh, Charlie Donovan too. He was good. He was a good GM. Good funny character. He's good. Awesome. Poor guy. He like. <laughs> he's the kind of character you feel so sorry for in real life on those teams when they're just pawns to the owner, and they have yeah. no say whatsoever, and they're just rolled yeah, out. He's, he's the guy that's that's the GM, but not actually making any decisions. Hey, he's the the Raptors. He's Bobby Webster. Yeah. He is Bobby Webster. Bobby Webster. Yeah, who's, pulling the, really, all, who's really pulling the strings there. And, uh, yeah. So let's jump into uh, some quotes. Uh, there's, like, literally you could probably do an entire podcast episode on quotes for this oh, movie. Gotcha. But what are some of the special ones that stand out for you? Uh, I, do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah you go Use most of mine. Okay, I have a couple right away. Just the people in Cleveland, the workers, the groundskeepers. These guys aren't so bad. These guys are shitty. That's still shitty. <laughs> yeah. Just the general townspeople. Um, I love hey, the... Guys, before you go on, Jared, can I make a note of that? Yeah, go ahead. Of course. Sequel. Randy, uh, uh, Randy, Randy Quaid. Quaid. Yeah, way better. Go. Continue. All right. All right. Uh, another one that's iconic for Pedro Serrano is uh, Hats for Bats. Yeah. Oh, he's got Hats for Bats. Oh, Amigo. And then... Uh, uh, if you tried to take my uh, Miami Dolphins one, I would just... I would, <laughs> You'd be swinging on them? You know what? Did you see this bat right here? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take your Miami Dolphin. I'm going to stretch it. I'm going to cut it upside. I'm going to stretch your stupid Miami know. Dolphin neck over. Then I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it for BP. It's time to get yourself a Bills one anyways. They're back and they're relevant again. Let the oh, yeah. Dolphins die and go get yourself a Bills go one. Get rid of that, that stupid Dolphin head cover. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard to put that on his clubs. 
<laughs> well, last one I'll throw out here, and then I'll fire it over to you guys. Is uh, well, this guy is dead. We'll cross him off. Then. <laughs> yeah, I love that quote. I mean, there's uh, okay, so many yeah. going. You guys got. What I'm gonna say, got? I got one. I got one. I haven't used yet. Uh, Haywood leads the league in most offensive categories, including nose hair. When this guy sneezes, he looks like a party favor. <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. I think we've mentioned a lot of them. One, one I'll just mention. It just popped into my head again. Was uh, when uh, Doran pulls up in his car, and the guy's like, "I thought you said we didn't have any high priced talent." Well, I forgot about Doran because he's only high priced. <laughs> 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 he has like the golf clubs and the sweater and yeah. know, like, the douchey guy coming out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, you could follow Lou Brown around the whole movie if you want quotes too, folks. And just follow Lou oh, Brown. Just watch him. He's got some the classic walls, The there. White Walls is probably one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So fun. Well, let's jump into some little known facts. So. At 29 years old, Major League director and writer David S. Ward won an Oscar for writing um, the Robert Redford and Paul Newman classic, The Sting. I didn't realize that. So he won a, He actually won an Oscar for that. That's pretty wicked. At 29, wow. So I think uh, I he think that goes motivated to, after that. that. That goes to show you why we have such high quality writing and uh, directing on the, on a blockbuster movie that we have here. That's right, Webb. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Here's my one of the best ever web. So uh, David S. Ward is actually a lifelong Cleveland Indians fan. His inspiration for creating the movie was simply because he thought it would be the only way he would ever see the Indians actually win anything. So that was his his goal: is he was going to write a movie where the Indians win. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. They were so bad for a long time. Oh. Okay, so. Remember, like, the Corey Schneider, Joe Carter days? They were so bad. They were bad. Bad. Um, so Charlie Sheen was actually a really good high school pitcher who was offered a baseball scholarship to the University of uh, Kansas. So I, me- I remember hearing that about Sheen. He was kind of a stud. He had yeah, a really good delivery. I thought, I thought, like, his mechanics looked really good. Hundred percent. He's legit. Uh, he's talked about it, and he loves baseball. And he—I mean, he's not kidding. He—he he is really good. Yeah. He throws pretty hard. I think oh he, yeah. He throws in like I, mid I to high eighties. I was gonna say I thought I saw something in the research saying something. He—he he got up to like eighty-five or eighty-six miles an hour on his fastball in this movie, which is pretty which amazing is for a guy off the couch and after. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's pretty hard. So the opponent, we were talking about him earlier, Clue Haywood with the Yankees, was played by former MLB pitcher Pete Vukovic. Vukovic played 11 seasons in the majors with the White Sox, Blue Jays, Cardinals, and Brewers. He won the 1982 AL Cy Young Award with the Brewers after going 18-6. and six. Hmm. Pretty slick, That's pretty eh? good. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. So in or- as you, men- you kind of mentioned this, Webb, but um, in order to make Charlie Sheen's 85-mile-an-hour fastball looked like it was traveling 100 they moved the mound up 10 feet and shot from behind home plate so the viewer wouldn't notice the difference in distance because yeah, yeah those scenes where they show it like live speed uh he, it's humming coming in there like you could it's got some velocity for sure an 85 mile an hour pitch from what 50 feet six inches that's well, really hard <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> super hard yeah. 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 time catching up to that one. Oh yeah <laughs> So Ward wanted to shoot the film in Cleveland, but couldn't because Cleveland was a union town and it was going to cost a bundle more. 
So it was decided to shoot in Milwaukee since it would be a million dollars cheaper. The home game scenes were filmed at Milwaukee's County Stadium. The exterior shots were used with uh, Cleveland's Municipal Stadium. In the season opening game, a sign in the outfield while displaying the Milwaukee Brewers logo can be clearly seen. Bernie Brewer's house and beer mug were dismantled for the shooting of the movie so as not to give away the identity of the interior shots of the stadium. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I did pick up on that Brewer's sign. Yeah. I, I thought I came across something too, Jamie. Maybe you saw this too. Uh, something about like they couldn't figure it out with the schedule for the Browns and the Indians too to actually do it in Cleveland. Oh, I didn't see that, no. Yeah, I thought, I don't know. If were, it, it might not have been. I mean, I don't know how credible the resource was, but, you know. Cleveland's old baseball stadium was so bad too. Municipal stadium was awful. Remember they used to call it Mistake by the Lake. It was brutal. Yeah, Mistake by the Lake. Yeah. I also I also read something about Charlie Sheen. Back to that. Sorry, that something like uh, some interview he gave. He said he juiced up for this. Yep, he did. Yeah. 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 So former major league catcher Steve Yeager. Uh, served as the technical consultant for the baseball scenes and also served as stunt double for Tom Berger in all the catching scenes. So anytime you see uh, Jake Taylor with a mask on making plays, that's actually Steve Yeager. Um, and he also, Yeager also played um, uh, the third base coach and bench coach, what's his name in there? Duke Temple. So he, he played that character. He's in it quite a bit, like throughout the scenes. Uh, you can see him quite a bit. He's hitting those fungos, those rocket fungos down the line at uh, at bullets. Roger Dorn. Bullets. <laughs> those are bullets, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are big-time MLB, like, hard-hit balls at him. Yeah. So Jaeger played 15 years for the Dodgers, winning the World Series in 1981. He was named World Series MVP that year after hitting two clutch home runs in the series against the Yankees. Pretty legit guy. I remember him. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, many of the players in the movie were inspired by former Major League stars. So Pedro Serrano, according to the author and director David S. Ward, is partially based on Orlando Cepeda, the Alou brothers, and Wade Boggs, who superstitiously ate chicken before every game. <laughs> Fried chicken, I guess I think it was. <laughs> he did. The Alou brothers. Yeah, Felipe. Yeah. Willie Mays Hayes, according to Ward, is based on Ricky Henderson. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Ryan Duran was the inspiration for Ricky Vaughn. Um, Ryan Duran was known to have, he was one of the guys like back in the day that could really hump, could really notch it up there. He had a hundred mile per hour fastball and eyeglasses thick as Coke bottles. <laughs> so uh, Eddie Harris, uh, sorry, Eddie Harris appears to be inspired by Gaylord Perry, who was really well known for doctoring up the ball. hundred <laughs> percent. And Jake Taylor may have been inspired by Carlton Fisk, a catcher who had a long career with the Boston Red Sox and White Sox. Uh, had some, you know, tough years down the road with some knee injuries and stuff like that. And Lou Brown also mentions that Taylor was an all-star in Boston, which kind of might have been a little nod there towards Carlton Fisk. Mm. Clue Haywood was based on former Yankees catcher Thurman Munson. You could tell that, kind of like the, the mustache and stuff. Thurman Munson was pretty awesome. Oh, he was the man. He was the captain. Yeah. He was the Yankee captain. That guy was legit. He died in a plane crash, I think, while he was still yeah. playing, like his last yeah. year. Yeah. Way, yeah. Pretty sad. So when Willie says he runs like Hayes, he's actually referring to Bullet Bob Hayes. Hayes won the gold medal in the 100-meter dash in the 1964 Tokyo Olympics with a then-world uh, record time of 10.06 and was considered the world's fastest human. He then went into the Hall of Fame 
he w- he then went on to a Hall of Fame NFL career with the Dallas Cowboys from 65 to 1974 and is still thought to be the fastest man ever to play for pro football. I didn't actually know that. Like when they mentioned it or sorry, when he said when he said that line all the way basically all the way up till we did the research on this, I always thought he he said like he runs like hazes and I run like hack instead. You know, sometimes you say instead yeah. of hack you say haze. I always thought he said like he runs like haze like in that sense, I didn't. I didn't actually realize he meant like an actual in person named Hayes. I didn't either. Pretty cool. After this movie came out, Mitch Williams changed his number to ninety nine and came out to, of the bullpen to Wild Thing. This was uh, the introduction of closers coming out to signature songs. Major League. Uh, this movie started that trend, so that's pretty iconic. That, and I was thinking back to it as well. Before that time. You know, closers didn't have nicknames. They didn't come out to signature songs. There wasn't no. that whole. There wasn't that whole kind of like almost World Wrestling Federation thing about closers, right? Like the the Undertaker the, type stuff. The the culture of the closer. So yeah. that all that all spawned from the character. And you mentioned it earlier, but like everybody wanted to be Ricky Vaughn. That all spawned from that. Like Ricky Vaughn, basically, this movie changed some culture of baseball, especially around that position. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. Hundred percent. So I came across a, a Sports Illustrated article from 2011. It's called "A League of Its Own," written by Chris Nashawati. Chris Nashawati's actually written a lot of these cool articles for Sports Illustrated over the years, um, interviewing a lot of the actors from the movies. So we've uh, referenced Chris Nashawati's articles on probably about four or five of our movies now, but he's got a really cool article written about this. And he was interviewing several of the characters or several of the actors. So David S. Ward on casting for the film. One of the things I did with all the actors before I cast them was play catch with them to see who could play. I had actors coming in and saying that they played AAA with the Cardinals. I'd take them outside and they couldn't throw 15 feet. They just lied. You know about the, the playing catch and guys can't throw like, you know, a lick or whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't consider myself a baseball player by any stretch of the imagination, but I can throw a ball half decent. Yeah. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, come on. I think I think the problem is some of these like you're an athlete. Some of these guys I don't think played sports. <laughs> you know that's part yeah, of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so well some, you're doing jump shots. They're doing improv. So the, yeah, let's call it as I'm sorry. Great, somebody throw me a ball. <laughs> uh, Chelsea Chelsea Ross, who played Eddie Harris, uh, he had this to say about being cast in the role. So I was 45 at the time, and it had been 20 years since I'd thrown a ball. But I had pitched a little bit in Southwest Texas State University, and I thought, I can do this. After I auditioned, Chris Chester said, let's throw a little bit. I knew that this would happen somewhere along the line. Uh, he asked, While we were throwing, he asked me if I could throw anything besides a fastball. I said, sure, I could put a wrinkle in one. So I threw him a couple of big lollipop curves, and they were pretty lame, but they seemed to like it, and I was cast. His delivery was pretty. It was pretty funny. He threw like an old man. Yeah, he had an old man delivery. His body was tight. He threw like his body was tight. You know oh, yeah. what? Though I will say this for whoever threw the curveball when he said, "Okay," they said, "Okay, uh, Eddie throws curveballs in." Those were benders. They were good benders. They yeah. were dropping out. Whoever threw those, I don't know who it was, but that was a deuce. I was the like, "Whoa!" Was that those, yeah. Fell. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was Eddie with like his so his body. It was like Eddie mixing a yoga band or two. Holy cow! It was Shoopy. Yeah, little Shoopy. <laughs> so, 
According to David S. Ward, Wesley Snipes was not a very skilled baseball player in real life, never having played much before. Uh, Ward said Snipes was so awful at throwing a baseball that they couldn't have any scenes with him throwing a ball. So they just had some defensive plays and some batting. Uh, he also said that Snipes wasn't actually fast at all in, in real life, which is why they did all his running scenes in slow motion to give the illusion that he was fast. It's funny about that because if you remember when we did um, White Men Can't Jump, remember um, Ron Shelton was saying that Snipes wasn't a very good athlete. And he remember he, he said he wasn't that great at basketball. It was hard to – they had to do a lot of work with him to get him to the level what that um, Woody Harrelson was because he said Woody Harrelson could – shoot it around pretty well it's funny though because when you look at snipes he just looks like a specimen right he oh just yeah like, he just like, looks oh. like he's, he's perfect perfect specimen to do that totally that good bob uecker the uh, who played obviously harry, harry doyle they told me to do whatever i wanted yeah they i did he said i didn't have a script they just said Here's the scenario. The Indians are getting their asses kicked every day. Have fun with it. So I did it. <laughs> I love it. You remember how much fun it would have been? Like that other guy, that Marty guy? Like he would have been yeah. in speeches. His like, job was he, he's somebody's nephew or something. He didn't have to do anything. He just sat there. Yeah. And he's still making God residual paid. checks off that movie. Yeah. And God paid. Do you have any the add Marty? Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no one's listening anyway when he said that you can't say that on the air no one's listening anyway. no one's listening <laughs> just knowing that everything was ad-libbed and he just made it up as he went makes it even better like that's yeah, just it's amazing in the scene where serrano hits that home run uh dennis haysbert actually went yard everybody stopped and, and went nuts when it happened <laughs> they had to cut it and like they had to they had to cut it after he hit it and then shoot the the back end of it again because everybody stopped doing what they're supposed to <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah, you're at a major league stadium and you're not a baseball player <laughs> hey Webb, this is a cool one for you a lot of people didn't know this but jeremy piven was in the movie he was what? a he was a bench jockey and he had a ton of originally in the script he had a lot of bits in the movie where he's just yelling insults constantly at the opposing teams but it didn't really work and we ended up cutting out all his parts oh uh, that would have been good yeah Jeremy yeah, Pivot just chirping the other team would have been hilarious it would have been really funny yeah, yeah that would be pretty funny it must have sucked for him although he did get to hang out with all those guys it would have been fun that would be a good few months <laughs> So uh, we talked about uh, former Brewers pitcher Pete Vukovic, who played Clue Haywood. So he had a bar in Milwaukee called Stormin' and Vooks, and apparently all the cast used to love to go there after shooting every day. That would be fun. 100%. Uh, yeah. So Dennis Haysbert talking about, uh, about the cast. I don't think there was ever a closer cast than anything I've ever worked on. We hung out together all the time. We went to bars together every day. We were a team. James Gammon was the leader on and off the set. Lou Brown, baby. Yes. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Sheen on James Gammon. Uh, he says, James Gammon, you want to talk about an absolute warlock? This guy shows up one morning. He's so hungover that the bar's still stuck to his head. I've never seen a man in this much pain trying to make a cup of coffee. He was an awesome dude. 
<laughs> and that's why you play hard for him right there, folks. Just much pain trying to make your coffee. And you know what? And you know how you know how he probably took his coffee? Black. Black. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. Damn uh, right. David, David Ward on Charlie Sheen. So Charlie had all these women flying in and out of, in and out of Milwaukee. His biggest problem was trying to coordinate the airline schedule so that these women didn't run in, into each other. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Charlie Sheen said, uh, Major League was so physically demanding that a lot of nights you were lying in bed and everything hurts and you're thinking, oh man, I got to pitch tomorrow. But there were certain days that we'd look at the schedule for the next day and be like, gentlemen, tonight we ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's wicked. So I, we talked about earlier about Wesley Snipes, why he didn't do Major League 2, Webb. Yeah. We don't necessarily get a reason why here, but Cor Corbin Burnson was talking about Wesley Snipes, and this is kind of a veiled shot, I think. So a couple of years after Major League, I saw Wesley, and I said, hey, man, they're going to make Major League 2. And he laughed and said, you're actually going to do that? And I thought, wow, how quickly they forget. And he goes, that always rubbed me the wrong way. So he wasn't, I, I, I kind of got the feeling that reading some stuff that guys weren't too big of fans of Wesley. Maybe he didn't hang out with the boys. Maybe he didn't do enough to you. Was he wasn't invited. invited. Yeah, I was say, maybe he wasn't invited that, back. He's the only guy too that doesn't uh, that isn't in part of these interviews in this Nashawati article as well. So I think he kind of was like, Meh. yeah, that's hard. I don't know. I don't know how you don't like just join in with the guys and hang out. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, how do you not figure? And then the money you've made from it, you don't mind taking the checks from it. I'm sure. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. That that one's hard. Maybe there's more to it that we don't know of. But um, you know, Could if be. he's not in the interview, he's not in two. Corbin Burnson said, uh, "Yeah, I mean, if Charlie Sheen's still doing stuff, but you're not, like that's to me a sign too, right?" Yeah, yeah. He hasn't been getting any roles. No, and maybe he's turning them down. I don't know. But mm -hmm. so here's David Ward on Major League Two. So I didn't write Major League Two, but I did decide to direct it at the last minute because I couldn't see someone else taking my characters. But it's not nearly as good as the first one. It tried too hard right. to be funny. Ooh. I that agree. It's a better story. It might not be as funny, but it's a better story. I can't even remember the story. It's all about how they all get big time and then they come back. And there's more of a, like, uh, I'll say, arc to it. Okay. For me. If they have to I, get like, back to their roots in Major oh, League well, and I was gonna t I was, I'll touch on this when we talk about like our rankings and thoughts. Yeah. And more, okay. I won't, get, I won't get into it right now. Yeah. Just one more thing. Uh, Major League was the runaway favorite baseball movie of, of Major League players polled during the 2010 season. There you oh, go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. The favorite of the, of the pros. 100%. Let's jump into our realism review. You want to kick us off, JR? Sure. Um, I made a couple notes. So realism, I had some a few things. I had, first of all, I'll go into the non-realism review. Um, so first things first for like the non-real, I had like the barracks at spring training. I know that's back in the day in the early 90s, but I spent a lot of time in Florida spring trainings. Uh, or this would be the Arizona one, but they're not sleeping on little tiny bunk beds like that. Uh, I have, I have that, that down too. <laughs> um, Jake's pop is bad from catching. It's pretty not believable. I'm sorry. Like, I love him. Don't get me wrong. I love the guy. 
but his pop, like when he's second, like when he's popping up, that is pretty brutal. Yeah. Another thing I had is uh, when Rick Vaughn's throwing a bullpen, it's pretty not believable. I'm sorry. Like when he's down throwing a pen, like I know the caps and sleeves at this level son are a funny thing, but like, come on. Um, the individual standing, like that metal person, yeah, that thing stand, like, are you kidding me at this point? Um, he knocks the head off. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, really? Uh, using Harris and other pitchers to throw BP, unless it's like a simulated game. I don't not think happening. that's happening either, folks. That, you know, okay, Eddie, yeah, do whatever. Like, no, they're not bringing out who's basically their ace. Yeah. Who at least appears to be their ace. He's not throwing BP. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely the race for sure. He's thrown down in the pen. Um, sorry, uh, the blocking the ball technique of Jake Taylor is not very good. Again, not good at all. Uh, another thing I had for spring training, not realistic, was running over a catcher in spring training. I you don't see a lot. Of that. I'm sorry, you don't see guys getting loaded on. Yeah, I mean, first thing, guys, though, they usually don't see that. Like you're kind of yeah. sliding, coming in a little bit. I mean. Old school. I don't mind the catchers getting ran. Don't get me wrong. I've been ran over before, but it's I. I you just don't see it a lot. Uh, what about random guys coming off the street like Willie Mays Hayes just walking in? That happens. Don't, you don't see that happening a whole lot as well, unless you're that fast. Okay, the only thing to me that can get you noticed, and other people can disagree with me. Um, there was a fellow in Kingston one time who got noticed by San Diego. Basically, if you're that fast, you will get noticed. I the way I look at him is in a lot of these guys they didn't give you a lot of background on them like the younger guys. They did with Vaughn because they said he pitched in Portland. That's triple A. Yeah. So yeah. you know you know he pitched at a high level the year before. They don't say anything about Hayes, but I'm assuming he probably played independent ball somewhere. There you know, had I, to be something on him. I figured he look because he's 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 got major league talent or like, you know, at that level. So major league somewhere. speed. He's got major league yeah. speed. Big yeah, but he still—he—he he was uh basically making Gold Glove plays in the outfield. That you got to be a good player to be able to, yeah. even if you can't hit that well. That and is you true. Hit well enough to put him in the leadoff spot, or else they would have had him at nine. You know very, what I mean? Like, they'll true. put a fast guy at the on the nine spot, but he yeah. must have been able to get on base well enough to do that. So I figured, even though they don't give his background, I, I figured he must have played like probably independent ball, which is good ball. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, he wasn't on anyone's radar. But at that time, I mean, the entire team was on no, and wasn't on anyone's radar because the guys were like, I've never heard of half of these guys. <laughs> we'll cross them off then. Yeah. Uh, another thing I had for this, is my last one for not real. I'll wrap this up soon. I'll get into real. Is Harris walking with his back to BP without a screen? Your ace is not walking out randomly onto the field. With no. No. <laughs> like things like that. Uh, need to refill. Quickly, I'll get onto the real. Some stuff that was real though was spring training. The fields, uh, the feel of spring training, the atmosphere. They did a really good job, I thought, of creating that spring training like atmosphere. The coaches sitting not in the dugout along the wall, along like just along the side. That happens. Coaches always sit outside the dugout in spring training. Yeah. They're always out there. They did a really good job of that. Some of the gear, the clubhouse, the team banter, the cheap owner. Um, all the misfits that come together. I thought they did a really nice job of that. The different types of pranks that you hear and see that go on. 
those are all really cool things that happen. Vaughn hanging out in the bullpen and kind of wondering and waiting what's going and what, like, hurry up. Uh, Jake Taylor's banter catching. Like, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Shit, you screwed this up. Like, that happens all the time. And you have that idea, Taylor's banter, too, is when you're catching a man on third and you're like, comes a curveball. Block it, block it, block it, block it. Like, you have all these things that go through your head. They did a really good job of that. There was a lot, fair amount of realism. I thought... Last thing I'll point out, because I'm going along, is I thought the fans did a really good job. Whoever, like the extras as the fans in the stands, they did a really good job of making it like a pretty believable too. Like the yeah. craziness, like, you know, like Cleveland Indian fans are pretty rabid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. like well, Jacob Field rocks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it does. Cleveland sports in general, and like the J, where they play now. Well, I don't know what's called anymore, but Jacob Field does rock, and yeah. I have to give them that. Anyway, I went a little. I'm sorry about that. Progressive Field, yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, in terms of the realism piece, I think you hit everything I had. A uh, couple things I had in terms of non-realistic, and we talked a little bit about this pre-recording here. Um, the one we talked about with the, the ringer article talking about the ending and how basically I, I'll, maybe we can link it or send the article out or something, Jane, but the idea, the idea that, uh, you know, the ending really never should have happened and it's not believable and that the order is all messed up. And for long, long story short, that the Yankees in a playoff game aren't going to call that is a little bit beyond me. So I I'll give him that. But the big thing that stuck out for me and we talked about this was, the idea that Cleveland's even hosting this game to begin with, um, given the fact that we're led to presume or assume that, you know, even though they have a tied record and they're playing for the one game playoff here, that we would we would assume that the Yankees shit kicked them all year and that so that they're in a uh, a one gamer and and the head to head the Yankees would probably have the advantage, so they should have been hosting. So that was my only like non realistic thing. Um, the other thing that could I was just thinking about it. Maybe they just called it a playoff in the sense that they whoever won that game was going to win it. Maybe it was just the last game of the season. They happened to be playing each other. Okay, maybe. I got. I, mean, this, I don't know. I'm assuming it was a wild card. I'm assuming. It was yeah, like I got the sense it was a play-in game, right? Like the season yeah. had finished and they finished tied for first. That's uh, it. That's you might be right. Thinking. Yeah, you might be right. I might be wrong. Um, so that like that's that's my only big thing. I mean, some of the I thought some of the. Uh, the baseball scenes were well done, but some were pretty like hokey, like uh, the ones with like the the three fielders, like the shortstop, the second baseman, and, and the fielder all coming in. Used to see that like, though. He used to see that on the booper video, off, especially like it's a little Mickey Mouse for for big leagues. Like maybe it would never be that bad. Yeah, well, they did. They used to have it on. Remember the remember the sports bloopers videos we used to get yeah, on VHS. Three guys, and it's all choreographed how they fall and everything. Like yeah. it's not that. It that was a little over the top for me. But other than that, they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I don't have much to really add. the The, the whole thing about the team tanking to move stadiums actually happened in the seventies with the Twins. I saw some research on that. It's pre- pretty interesting. Yeah, but that. no, I think you guys nailed everything uh, for me. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, the soundtrack. So the music was composed by James Newton Howard. Howard, uh, has scored over hundred films, recipient of a Grammy award, an Emmy award and eight Academy award nominations. What do you guys think about the, the soundtrack for the movie? You want me to go on this one, Jer? 
Sure, yeah, let her go. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I mean, it's fitting for the movie. I thought they did a pretty good job at scoring it in terms of uh, lining so- uh, songs up. The song choices that they made, anyways, for particular scenes in the movie, there's nothing that, like, jumps out in terms of, like, um, really popular hits or popular songs that you're gonna you're gonna know off the top of your head, other than maybe Wild Thing. Um, but really, you know, I loved uh, I loved the Randy Newman Burn On track to start the movie, where he's basically yeah. singing about Cleveland. Just just the uh, the mood it encapsulates with his voice and his, the tone and the melody of the song, like it's perfect for that kind of like feeling of like this team is down in the dumps and they have been for a long time. Like that that was really really well done. Um, and then, uh, cry the Lyle Lovett song, crying shame. I thought that was fitting for that scene as well. Yeah. So I thought they did, I thought it was pretty good, but like I said, nothing like jumps off the page. There's nothing that I'm sitting there putting on any kind of playlist. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Wild, wild thing, maybe just to get a, a quick little 10 second chuckle and then move. I on. actually, I actually do have burn on, on a playlist. That, Cause I love that song. It's because yeah. it reminds me of the start of the movie. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And, and I, like, I love uh, Randy Newman. I, I love the song, uh, you know, the I Love L.A. song? Yeah. Um, so one of the cool things was uh, I've always loved that song. And uh, I forgot about it. But this year I was watching the Dodgers when they won the World Series. And right right when they came onto the field, um, they played that song. And you could hear it when, uh, like... Kershaw or somebody was getting interviewed in the back. It was like uh, the "I Love LA," and I was like, "Yeah, Randy Newman." That's great. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So let's jump into our uh, movie wrap-up. Where does this movie rank among all-time <laughs> baseball movies, and where does it rank among all-time sports movies? Uh, do you want me to go first, Webb? Yeah, on this one. You have this one. All right. Uh, okay, baseball movies. Uh, I have this baseball movie as number two baseball movie all time. I can't put it as a one because of exactly around the time I grew up, but I'm going to put this as a two. This movie stuck with me the whole time in my life that I played baseball. It changed the way I talked during baseball games, the way I acted during baseball games, the one-liners I used in baseball games, the amount of things that I noticed from there. There's no trail, Hell's Bells Trevor Hoffman without the wild thing. Yeah. Uh, the impact this movie had on people, though, I, I can't even go on. Anyway, so I'm going to go number two all time. I'm going to have the top, probably top 12 for all time move sports movies. It just sits with me forever. Oh, absolutely. As a guy who loves baseball, play baseball. First time I ever watched this movie was in about 1992. Uh, and a buddy of mine at his grandparents' house, we were able to get our hands on the movie to rent it. And Oh, unbelievable. And he told me at the very start, he goes, you're going to notice the catcher and this pitcher are really tight. And it was Tom Berenger and Rick Vaughn because he had already seen it. So it stuck with me and I will stick with me forever. That's me. You want me to go? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Give some contrast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mentioned this earlier. I actually prefer the sequel way better to this movie. Uh, Here's and here's here's my primary reason. There's nobody in this movie that as a viewer, I th- okay, let me start by saying, the one-liners in this movie, they're amazing. And it's a talk, it's a walking, talking soundbite. We talked about this. Like the fact that we could basically just have a conversation using nothing but the lines of this movie, make it, <laughs> make it a great movie in that respect, right? Yep. And, and everything JR said about like its cultural impact, not only on baseball, but on like just general pop culture, 100% spot on. 
what I don't like about the movie is that there's no um, there's no character to like really get behind and follow in terms of like a story. If you're thinking like of an actual narrative and, and trying to follow a movie that way, so there's there's that piece. Um, I thought the characters themselves, there's just not enough development in any of them um, to really kind of make it in, in, to prolonged. Whereas in the second one, you kind of see them go through something, right? You you get right. to feel for them a little bit more. So I think that's my bigger reason why I like it. I just thought that this was too uh, disjointed at a lot of, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's held together by its comedy. And I just thought in a large respect, it's just a lot of lazy writing. It's another one of those movies for me that it's not holding up now as an adult compared to when I watched it originally as, you know, a, a young teenager or even into young adulthood. Like, uh, the comedy is, is, is still great and it's funny as all hell. Um, uh, but it's just the movie itself isn't as great for me. So I, I'll say in terms of baseball movies, it's probably, it's in my top 10 for sure. Um, yeah. because I, I, I mean, there's a lot of baseball movies that are garbage. Um, but <laughs> I'd say, I'd say it's in my top 10, um, all time probably makes my top, probably makes my top 50. Yeah. Right on. Right. Around there. I don't know if I'll watch it again for a long time. I can watch it every day. I love it. What is wrong with you, Web? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more sophisticated in my I old mean, age. We need to get you. We need to get you back in the classroom. This this yeah. uh, remote learning is making you real grumpy. <laughs> making you grumpier than grumpier than normal, which is pretty grumpy already. Oh, <laughs> yeah. what is wrong with you? Anyway. Yeah, I mean, you guys. I think Jr. Jr. You and I are pretty much in tune on this one. Uh, to me, it's it connects every diehard fan that's ever been a diehard fan of a losing franchise. And I can relate because of the Buffalo bills for years. Uh, it hey, connects with hey, the snake. Bit no, I love the movie. It's got a, I love the blue collar vibe starting out with uh, Randy Newman's burn on, you know, you see all the, the scenery at the mm -hmm. start of it. And, and the whole movie has like the team is built on a blue collar vibe. You don't have a really much of a, you know, a star. They're all like, close-knit drinking together obviously on and off the scenes um and i'm i'm glad that they didn't end the movie by winning the world series i'm glad it was like they won a division title but they that's it right they don't they don't overdo it because well, that's, that part of, that's part of the realism realism piece too yeah. when you think about it like there's no way this ragtag team of misfits it's it's the oakland a story let's call yeah. it what it is that is yeah it's a great way to put it for sure so overall Baseball, I've got it number two. You guys know what my number one is. You you guys uh, did me a favor and let us do Bull Durham as our first episode. That's my number one. Overall, I've got it uh, number eight all time. I, I really what, enjoy this movie. What makes this two compared to Bull Durham, James? Good, good question. The thing that makes it two is, uh, and I think you'll agree with this, Webb, Bull Durham has got a lot more depth. The the um, it doesn't have it doesn't need to have baseball scenes to carry it. It's got a really good story arc. There's, um, you know, Kevin Costner aside, like obviously mm -hmm. he's a stud, but the, there were just so many off the field scenes that were classic and iconic that you want to watch again. And um, yeah, and I just the the minor leagues to me are very nostalgic. I really like, I love going to minor league games. That's what so, I was going to ask you about the minor leagues. There's something romantic enough. to the minor leagues. It's a very romantic thing. Yeah. To that point, that's where I'm saying, like, there's something about you're able to follow 
Crash Davis, right? You're invested yes. in Crash Davis and his story. There's, Less no, characters. there's nobody in this movie where you're invested in their story. They kind of try to do it with Jake a little bit, but he's such a degenerate that you don't really want to be invested in him. Right. Okay, let's get into our draft. So this week again, um, with a shout out to JJ Reddick, the old man in the three, we're going to do a draft this week. So our draft in homage to Jake Taylor <clears throat> is the top MLB Wiley veteran catchers that were never quite stars, but you'd love to have on your team. So top MLB Wiley veteran catchers that were never quite stars, but you'd love to have on your team. I'm going to give JR the first pick this week. I get first pick. You get first pick, my friend. All right. All right. So I can do this. So my number one pick, I'm going to go with a guy who's a World Series champion. Has had two incredible pictures of himself on Sports Illustrated. He played for eight teams, I believe. I looked him up. He won the 1991 World Series with the Minnesota Twins. His name was Brian Harper. Yes. Remember Brian Harper. This guy yes. was Sports Illustrated twice. He was ran over twice. One, he's doing a headstand. The other time, Lonnie Smith just annihilated him, and he holds on to the ball. Jack Morris trusted this guy enough for 10 innings, and they worked themselves together through a 10-inning Game 7 game. I'm going with Brian Harper as pick one. Great pick. That's a great pick. Thank you. So I've got the next pick. I'm going to go with uh, uh, this career backup spent eight years grinding it out in the minors before finally making his Major League de debut at the age of 28. He ended up carving out a nice 11-year career in the majors as a backup and was Greg Maddox's personal catcher in Atlanta. He was named ALCS MVP in 1999, where he mashed two memorable home runs in the series while hitting 500. And in 2000, he led the NL in blocked pitches thrown by left-handers after the seventh inning in games where his team had the lead. How do you have that status? I Cow. That, that last yes. one I just made up. That last one. Oh, okay. That's like there's still possible one. My first, my first pick is Eddie Perez. Nice pick, Eddie nice. Perez, is a good catcher. Yeah. All right. So just so the listeners and and uh, in this case viewers understand, I'm at a supreme disadvantage compared to uh, MLB.com over here and uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, Stan the Man Musial. I don't know. Uh, or, sorry, Ozzy. Ozzy will go with. Uh, being that they're, they're both uh, baseball nerds. But, uh, okay, I'm going to go with uh, a J, obviously. Uh, 325 career hitter, 58 home runs, only 321 RBIs. Uh, and I'm picking him strictly because of his uh, self-deprecating humor at how bad of a player he was. And he's a one hell of an announcer. I'm going with the legendary Buck Martinez as my Nicely number. Nicely done. Excellent. And his hair is wicked. Excellent. Uh, number two, because I get we're snaking back. So number two, uh, I'm going to go with a uh, guy who's got a 229 career average, hit 106 home runs, 341 ribbies. Uh, he's been on SNL. He's been in multiple commercials with Chris Bryant. Uh, he was on Dancing with the Stars. Nice. He's got an amazing doppelganger who works at Mill Street Brewery. Yes, he does. Dude. Yeah, he does. Uh, now the head coach of JR's favorite team, the Chicago Cubbies. Uh, <laughs> and he also has two World Series rings before I forget. I'm going with David Roth with my second yes. pick. Nice pick. Well done. Well done. 
Nice picks. Well, that, that kicks it back to me. So I'm going to go with this guy who has played 18 years in, in the bigs. He led the American and National Leagues four times in fielding percentage and twice in percentage of base runners caught stealing. His 12,839 putouts are third most in MLB history among catchers, and he currently manages the Los Angeles Angels, and he's a handsome mother of a, of a, guy, a gun. I'm talking about Brad Osmus. Ooh, good pick. Brad Osmus was a good catcher. Yeah. Ooh. Brad Osmus is right. also the manager. Am I got that right? Was he not yeah. the manager? He's manager of the Angels right now. All right. So was he, not, he wasn't he the Houston manager, so, right? He was a Detroit's manager for a while, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So my next pick, uh, I'm going to go with a guy who I want on my team. Baseball's great. That's fantastic. He's a fantastic. He's great. He's a catcher. He played for, what do I see? One, two, three, four, five, six teams. That's fantastic. That's great. You played for these teams. You're wonderful, Matt. Matt Trainer's a great catcher. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But why I want Matt Trainer is because he's married to Misty May. Yes. So yeah. I'm going with Matt Trainer on my team because I want to hook up to the professional women's beach volleyball circuit. Okay? Yeah. I want Matt Trainer on my team. I want him to bring him out. I'll pick best pick yet. If I'm yeah. a thirty million dollar player, I'll pick up the tab. Jr. Like, just won. Jr. just won the draft. Just won the draft for that pick. We're not I even all Jr.'s. <laughs> You're on my team. You can be the fifth string catcher. I don't care. <laughs> So you're up again, JR. All right. And my last pick, um, I'm going to round this one out. And I have to go with this gentleman. He was a former J. He played nine or ten years. A handlebar mustache, second to none. I got to go with Big Sal Fasano. That is yes. a backup catcher of backup catchers on your bench. Nicely done. When you're talking about go catch a pen and you walk down with Sal Fasano. There's something, some sort of aura. That guy oozes big league backup catcher. Oh, big guy. What a handlebar mustache. Sal Fasano. Done. All right. All right. For my last pick, this former 14th overall pick in the 1982 Major League Draft played for 12 seasons, all with the White Sox, from 86 to 97. He never posted a season with a minus defensive war rating. He even hit 20 home runs and, and uh, 400 at-bats in 93, and he led the league in caught-stealing percentage in three seasons, throwing out over 50% of his runners in each. Never uh, to be confused as a handsome man. I'm talking about Ron Karkovice. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like his face got bit by mice. <laughs> yeah. He looked like his face got bit by mice. <laughs> Oh my god, poor guy. That's incredible. I mean, oh man. I forgot about Ron Karkovice. <laughs> somebody put his, his face caught on fire and somebody put it out with a golf cleat. <laughs> I forgot about him. Oh my god. That's amazing. Wow. Oh, can I just wow. say? How the hell do I follow that up? All right. Uh, Jesus. All right, I'm a little I'm a little torn, fellas, because part of me wants to give the expo some love, uh, but but uh, as Jr. can attest to, part part of me also needs to uh, get in the good graces of uh, our friends at Sam Adams after our uh, our terrible <laughs> my terrible review of their beer. So I might have to go with the socks. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lean to uh, do some pandering here and get on the board with uh, some Sam Adams friends here. So uh, I'm going with my last pick. I'm going with. Salty. Jared Saltalamacchia uh, bounced around quite a bit in the league, concluding with the Jays. 
but best known from Red Sox fans for hitting the 6-5 walk-off uh, to win the World Series and drive them in. So in whatever that was, 20, what are we at? 2013. So I'm going yeah, with going with Salt. Check. And he had sick, sick flow. He's a handsome flow. guy, too. Yeah, he did okay. All right. And to fit that name on a jersey is second to none. He was in the he was in the trade with uh, the Tishera trade. Yeah, and he had to back up. He was or he was the guy coming in after Veritech. Like, yep. yeah, that's no easy easy uh, spot to fill either. So, oh, absolutely. he had a lot of pop. He had a lot of pop. Yeah, yeah, yep. All right, we'll tell them where to head us up, Web. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for uh, listening and for uh, maybe viewing in this case. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Big League Flicks and on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. And uh, have a great week. And we'll see everybody again. Be safe. Take care of each other. Cheers. Shout out Norton, Texas. We love you. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we love you, Norton. You, Norton. And we're looking for a Texas high school football team to cheer for. So Norton, yeah. Texas, let us know. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer Talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants With their big bag of tricks Podcast critics, Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer!